friends, I'm Marissa Blackwood, and welcome to All Things Murder. Welcome to All Things Murder, the show that dives into real true crime cases that inspired pop culture movies and shows we know today. I'm Marissa Blackwood, and if you thought Jeffrey Dahmer was bad, oh, just wait until you hear about the vampire of Sacramento, Richard Trenton Chase. In the late 1970s, serial killer Richard Chase murdered at least six people in Sacramento, California and drank the blood of his victims. The 1987 movie Rampage and the 2011 documentary Lore Deadly Obsession are based on Richard's crimes. Listener's discretion is advised. If you're a fan of horror movies or true crime, or perhaps both like myself, don't forget to like and subscribe. Also, don't forget to check us out on YouTube at All Things Murder. New episodes on Thursdays. Richard Trenton Chase was born May 23, 1950, and he was native of Sacramento, California. Richard Chase showed signs of mental illness at a very young age, but his father, who was strict and sometimes physically abusive parent, did little to get him help. What serial killer's father does? Richard was disturbed and unhappy as a child, surprise, surprise, and his symptoms grew worse in adolescence. He set several small fires, frequently wet the bed, and displayed signs of cruelty towards animals. That is what I call a giant red flag. These three habits are sometimes called the McDonald Triad or the Triad of Sociopathy. Proposed by psychiatrist J.M. McDonald in 1963, it was a predictor of sociopathy in a patient. He's like, oh man. Shown those three signs? Yeah, that guy is freaking nuts. That's, that's what his theory was. Richard's problems grew worse when his father allegedly kicked him out of the house. So him being on his own, what do you think he did? He turned to alcohol and drugs, which then quickly turned into substance abuse. Like a vampire, he became convinced on several occasions that his heart had stopped and that he was a walking corpse. I have an irregular heartbeat, but never will I be like, no, I'm dead. I'm a zombie. Fearing that he lacked the vitamin C, he reportedly would press whole oranges to the skin of his forehead, believing that his brain would absorb the nutrients directly. If only vitamin C were that easy to do. Just rubbing some oranges on your head. Boom. One of his strangest and most powerful delusions involved this skull. He felt that his cranial bones would split apart and then began shifting beneath his skin, changing places and jumbling like puzzle pieces. I'm gonna tell you right now, if a friend is telling you that they're afraid their skull is moving, you should probably get that friend some help. Just saying. He would shave his head in an effort to monitor his skull movements. No surprise, at the age of 25, he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia and was institutionalized in 1975 to prevent him from becoming a danger to himself. I agree that was the right thing to do. 
His fascination with blood earned him the nickname Dracula among the psychiatric hospital's assistants who witnessed him kill and attempt to drink the blood of several birds in an effort to stave off the effects of poison that was he imagined, slowly turning his own blood to powder. Bro, what drugs are you on? It was his attempt to inject himself with rabbit's blood, which made him violently ill that resulted in his institutionalization. I'm gonna say, right call again. In spite of several similar incidents, the staff believed that they had rehabilitated Richard, and he was released to live with his mother. I think we can all agree, a guy who is killing birds and rabbits and like drinking their blood and trying to infuse the blood in his veins, I don't think that's gonna be like stamp of approval, he should be released. What were they thinking? Not long after his release from the psychiatric hospital, he moved out of his mother's house because he claimed she was poisoning him. Again, you let him out? Why? Why did you do that? He moved into an apartment with the shared group that he called friends. They would not call him a friend. His roommates complained that he was constantly under the influence of alcohol, weed, and LSD. He would also walk around the apartment nude, even in front of company. I think we can all agree, we've all had a similar roommate in life. Richard's roommates demanded that, you know, you gotta get out, dude, gotta move out. But when he refused, the roommates moved out instead. Now Richard was once again living on his own bachelor pad, which was a circumstance that almost always exaggerated the systems of his condition. Do not leave this man alone, but they did. Once he was alone in the apartment, he began to capture, kill, and disembowel several animals, which he would then devour raw, sometimes mixing the raw organs with Coca-Cola in a blender, and then would drink it. I love Coca-Cola. I don't think I'm gonna drink a Coke for a, for a little bit after this. Richard believed that ingesting the creatures was preventing his heart from shrinking. In August of 1977, Nevada police found him late one night in Lake Tahoe area, covered in blood and carrying a bucket with a liver in the back of his pickup. I know everyone's thinking, well, thank God. The police caught him. It's a red flag, he's going to jail. No, no. Since they determined the blood in the organ belonged to a cow, not a human, they let him go. Again, you see a strange man with an organ covered in blood, and you're like, have a good night, sir. Have a good night. Why? All of the why for this case. The murders. On December 29th, 1977, Richard's mother refused to let him come home for Christmas, so he was upset and lonely. So what did he do? He committed his first murder. His first victim was Ambrose Griffin, a 51-year-old man who was just helping his wife bring in the groceries when Richard was driving by their house and pulled out a .22 caliber pistol and shot him in the chest. Two weeks later, he attempted to enter the home of a woman, but because her doors were locked, he walked away. You know, vampire code wasn't invited in. Richard later told detectives that he took locked doors as a sign that he was not welcome. But unlocked doors were an invitation to come inside. See, most vampires need a, like, verbal invitation. This guy was like, doors are unlocked. Good enough. On January 23rd, 1978, Richard entered the home of Teresa Wallen, who was three months pregnant through her unlocked front door. He shot Teresa three times using the same gun he used to shoot Ambrose. He then proceeded to stab her with a butcher knife, 
before cutting out her organs and drinking her blood. On January 27, 1978, just four days after Teresa's murder, Richard found Evelyn Mira's door unlocked. Inside were her six-year-old son, Jason, her 22-month-year-old nephew, David Ferreira, and a friend named Dan Meredith. Dan was murdered in the hallway, dead by a gunshot wound to the head. Richard then stole his car keys. Evelyn and Jason were found in Evelyn's room. The little boy had been shot twice in the head. Evelyn was partially cannibalized. Her stomach was cut open and she had multiple organs missing. There was an also failed attempt to remove one of her eyes and her corpse had unfortunately been sodomized. The baby, David, whom Evelyn was babysitting, was missing from the scene of the crime. Unfortunately, the child's decapitated corpse was found months later behind a church. The knock of a visitor had startled Sacramento's vampire killer, who took David's body and then fled in Dan Meredith's stolen car. The visitor then alerted a neighbor, who then called the cops. The authorities were able to identify Richard's prints in all of the blood. When police searched Richard's apartment, like Dahmer, they found all of his utensils were stained with blood, and his fridge contained human brains. Gross. Richard Chase was obviously arrested. The trial of the Vampire of Sacramento began on January 2nd, 1979, and lasted five months. The defense attorneys rejected the suggested death penalty on the grounds that Richard was not guilty by reasons of insanity. In the end, after five hours of deliberation, the jury took the side of the prosecution. Richard Chase, the vampire killer, was found guilty of six counts of murder and was sentenced to death by gas chamber. His fellow inmates, aware of what he did, were scared shitless by this guy. I mean, wouldn't you be? Guys like going around drinking people's blood and eating them. I don't want that guy to be my bunkmate. Prison is scary enough. Imagine having a cannibal vampire roaming around. No, thank you. No, thank you. He needs to go to cell block D. I'm over here at A. No. They would often encourage him to kill himself. Richard Chase granted a series of interviews to former FBI agent and author Robert K. Ressler. Robert Kenneth Ressler played a significant role in the psychological profiling of violent offenders in the 1970s and is often credited with coining the term serial killer. Richard spoke to Robert about his fear of Nazis and UFOs, claiming that although he had killed, it was not his fault. He had been forced to kill to keep himself alive which he believed anybody would do. Like, come on, anyone would do what I did. No, Richard, no, they would not. He also handed Wrestler a large amount of mac and cheese, which he was hoarding in his pant pockets because he believed that the prison officials were in league with the Nazis and attempting to kill him with poison food. Like, hey bro, I got a secret stash of mac and cheese. You want in? No, thank you, Richard, no, thank you. On December 26 of 1980, Richard Chase was found dead in his prison cell. An autopsy revealed that he had committed suicide with an overdose of anti-anxiety medications. He was 30 years old. And that, my friends, is the story of the Vampire of Sacramento, Richard Chase. Rest in peace to all of the victims. Thank you all so much for joining me. I'm Marissa Blackwood, and don't forget to tune in next week for a new All Things Murder if you dare.